I'd like to proudly introduce the newest member of the Dynasty League Football Pod family, the Player Raider Podcast. I'm your host, Curtis Patrick, and I'll be joined each episode by my co-host, Ryan McDowell. Our aim for the Player Raider Podcast is to reveal how DLF player valuation tools can inform your roster management strategy. Whether it's the first round of your newest startup, rebuilding a nightmare orphan, or figuring out what to do with that veteran-heavy team that just doesn't have the juice, player value decisions are at the root of everything we do as Dynasty owners. Be sure to tune in to hear Ryan and I break down player values using monthly startup mock draft ADP, the player ADP tracker, the DLF trade finder, staff ranks, and an exciting new set of machine ranks, which puts personal bias in the crosshairs and takes it down. You're listening to the Dynasty League Football Podcast, where there is no off-season. Welcome to the latest edition of the DLF Dynasty Podcast, a playoff edition, as we just wrapped up Wild Card Weekend, and we're ready to head into the divisional round. I got Matt and Ryan. Of course, I'm Dan. You guys are with me again uh surprises in the wild card round matt how'd uh how'd wild card weekend treat you yeah it was it was all right <laughs> i definitely did not think the titans were going to win and i was definitely on the ram so uh, uh those games didn't work out for me so much but uh, in terms of playoff fantasy uh, i think i did pretty good i actually uh i'm gonna let you talk about how well i did in the listener league Dan. <laughs> oh i haven't looked <laughs> uh, so no i'm kidding uh yeah the saturday was intriguing for sure uh Watching that Chiefs Titans game, I was I was as shocked as almost everybody when I saw that lead just slowly dwindle down, and the Chiefs just didn't want to hand the ball off and and run the ball in the second half with that big lead. Lead Ryan, I, you had to be thinking the same thing. What's going on here, Andy Reid? Yeah, it just doesn't make sense. You you end a playoff game and a close game at that and Kareem Hunt only gets 11 carries it it just it doesn't make sense there there've been several games like that especially in the middle part of their season when they were struggling where his touches were limited um since Matt Na- Matt Nagy took over the play calling it, it had been better he had been more involved and uh yeah they just fell apart in the in the second half and and now we've seen just in, in these few days since then Nagy has gone uh, looks like he's going to be the Bears' head coach, and they're wasting no time. They're ready to to ship Alex Smith out of there, and, and I've even heard some rumors that Andy Reid might be on the hot seat. Yeah, that hot seat thing. I I don't know if I believe any of that. We'll we'll see how that unravels. It, I don't know if making Alex Smith the scapegoat in this game is what anybody's doing, but it it, it just. It, it's not very classy, you know, immediately that we're talking about it. Like, leading up to the game, even, people were talking about Alex Smith might be shipped out this offseason. And, and that loss is not on Alex Smith. He no. looked pretty darn good to me. Um, and you can say what you want about the, the coaching. Um, 
and the play calling, Tennessee was there to stop that running game. That 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 was the primary concern the entire game. They were bringing eight and nine into the box, and it seemed to me like Alex Smith was checking out of those runs. So perhaps there were a lot more runs called in the huddle that got checked into a pass. Still, though, when you lead 21 to 3, it doesn't take a brainiac to figure out you, you need to keep that clock going and protect that that defense that just just isn't the same without Eric Berry in the back end. But, you know, that's for a football podcast. Of course, I really did like what the Titans did. They were putting it to the Chiefs, even down big. They were handing it to the big fella and, and saying, just run those guys over and, and, and let's uh, let's go on 10-minute drives when we're down by multiple scores. That's impressive. Uh, all, the, all the things about the Titans coaching staff, they stuck to their game plan and, and came out with a win. So it looked pretty good. Sunday was a... Was, uh, it was a brutal game, that early one, to watch. Anybody who did make it through, you're a true football fan. Uh, and even those that love defense, it was still hard to watch. Uh, but we'll leave that for, for another podcast. So let's talk a little bit about the DLF Dynasty podcast listener playoff league that we're, that we're all three in. And we invited all of our listeners to join us. Uh, Ryan and I, we're middle of the pack right now, hovering right around 10th place. Uh, had a couple disappointments in my lineup. I'm sure Ryan would say the same, but our buddy Matt is right up there near the top. Matt, what what was your strategy coming in? And tell us a little about how you line, you you built your lineup and how it worked out for you. Yeah, I kind of wanted to t- attack the Carolina and Saints game, the the Panthers Saints game, and I felt like the Saints were going to win that game, and I thought that Cam would would have a pretty decent game, but not advance. And in this format where you can only use a player once throughout the playoffs, I wanted to get a few of those guys in there. So Cam Newton worked out pretty well with twenty three points. Uh, Christian McCaffrey had that nice uh, long uh, screen pass that was just beautiful that he took the house on uh, like fifty six yard touchdown, uh, six for one hundred one receiving in that game, uh, and then. Uh, uh, Michael Thomas, I thought, was going to have a good game against that secondary. So he didn't get a touchdown, but he did come through with 8 for 131. Uh, the, the kicker didn't work out so well because the, the offense was scaring, scoring point, so much points. Will Lutz only 7 points. Um, one one thing that I was shocked by, again, uh, since nobody picked the, the Titans to, to run, I thought Derrick Henry would have a good game, and he did. Uh, so I got the points there, but I will not be able to use him going forward. So I guess my strategy was to kind of pick players that I thought uh, would 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 score pretty high, but would not uh, be an option for me to choose next week. So Julio, I thought actually was going to not be an option going forward, but I did pick him, and uh, he did pretty well for his tube. Um, so I got his points out of the way. Yeah, I had a similar plan. Both of you guys actually use Cam Newton. Uh, I decided to go with Alex Smith, though. I wanted a team that I thought was going to score a lot of points, and in the first half of that game, it sure seemed like they would. So I stacked him with Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey. All that came along nicely until the second second half came. Uh, I just couldn't see myself using any Kansas City Chiefs again going forward, and I did think they were. I thought they were going to win as well. Uh, took Hunt out of my lineup last minute in favor of Alvin Kamara, though. Uh, now with Kamara moving on and Hunt being at home, I wish I still had Kamara because I used him on one of his worst games of the year. Ryan, how'd it go building your team? We both right around 150 points. Matt at 171. We can't let him take us down. What are we gonna do to uh, to to make up that 20 point loss over week this first? Uh, yeah, week? it's gonna be tough for sure. I, I was kind of uneasy. I've, I've actually I'm not sure I've actually ever done a playoff fantasy league. I know both of you guys have, as we were talking about over the past couple weeks. So the obvious strategy seemed to me, like Matt said, just to pick 
pick players who were likely going to lose or that, that I expected to lose. So uh, for me, that included Derrick Henry and Julio Jones as they were road underdogs. Of course, both of their teams got those wins that we already talked about. So those guys are out for me. Uh, and, and then beyond that, just grabbing some players I expected to have good games. Cam Newton took a chance on Ted Ginn. That paid off. I think he had the the 80-yard touchdown to get it started for the Saints. And, yeah, that's pretty much it. So so a decent lineup, but got some ground to make up here. I, I love that I love that Ginn pick because now you're going to get to use Michael Thomas next yep, week. Yep, that's, that's the plan. Right. The, the trick to that is try to get the best game out of the big stars for sure and then pick those those smaller guys that nobody else is on. It's a little bit like daily, but with a lot more uh, twists and turns because of the only being able to use a player once and things like that. We get four new teams, so everybody's got plenty of guys to pick from next week. Good luck to everybody that joined in. Uh, lots of nice scores out there, some that are falling behind, but you'll have your chance to, to catch us all as the next few weeks unravel. Use your strategy, and uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing how things play out. But let's get to our main topic uh, for really the month or, or these six weeks or so, and that's continuing what we started a week ago, the rookie draft flashback. A week ago, we started with the 2013 rookie draft. We flashed back to then and took a look at the players that came out in that class, even held a uh, rookie mock draft, if you will. The three of us are building rosters with four players per week. We're going to go all the way through the 2017 draft. And uh, this week, it's the 2014 class. Last week, uh, Ryan was lucky enough to draw the number one pick in that one. Matt got the second, and I was third. We did a snake version. Ryan's roster last week started with DeAndre Hopkins, Robert Woods, Chris Thompson, and Rex Burkhead. Matt added or started with Keenan Allen, Zach Ertz, Theo Riddick, and Spencer Ware, and I had Le'Veon Bell, Travis Kelsey, Jordan Reed, and C.J. Anderson. So we're going to build off of that this week, fellas, using that 2014 class, and let's dive right into it. Ryan, when you think 2014 rookie class, who who's the guy that jumps off the page to you? The guy, looking back to, to when we were doing those drafts, uh, who was the guy you were on that nobody else was on? Or, or maybe it was the guy that that um, everybody else was low on that you were a little bit higher on. There, there are so many players. Obviously, this is just a stack class. I, I feel like this draft class, especially at the wide receiver position, ha- has changed the way we play Dynasty. Uh, I, I don't think that's a stretch to say that. When I look at this class, I, I guess the guy for me is – the guy I really associate with the class is Brandon Cooks. He is a player that throughout that draft process, I was kind of up and down on. I watched a, a ton of, of his clips and as many games as I could find on him. And I mentioned last week, players that kind of make their name on, on just being fast are types of players I normally avoid. And I just really remember trying to decide if he was one of those or if he had uh, basically, if he had game beyond that speed. And ultimately, I made a couple moves to grab him in a few of my leagues, m- maybe earlier than, than some would have. I, I, I traded Josh Gordon for him in one league. I remember doing that. Um, and, and that was kind of at that time when we didn't know what Gordon's value was going to be. 
with suspensions and, and things like that. So uh, there's so many great players in this class, but I, I guess Cooks is the guy I kind of think of uh, quite a bit. So, and we'll get to the ADP, uh, the ADP flashback, looking back at the ADP from the summer of 2014 in a moment. But the guy that you really associate is Brandon Cooks. That draft class, Matt, is full of receivers, like Ryan said. Uh, when, when you think of the 2014 class, is it a receiver that you think of immediately? Yeah, definitely. I mean, we can we can certainly talk about the guys at the top, like Evans and Watkins and Cooks and those guys, and Odell Beckham, of course. Um, I have two guys that really kind of shaped this class for me. Uh, one, just because I remember how, how, how poor it worked out. I remember trying to trade up. Uh, when Odell slipped to uh, like the 1.11, I traded up to 112 and tried to snag him, and he got taken, of course, at 111. And uh, who did I pick? Cody Latimer. <laughs> that was a giant bust. Uh, but uh, one guy who I was really on, uh, and, and honestly, I think made me uh, uh, won me a, a number of championships in 2014 that most people hated. And, and you know, I wasn't a giant fan of him, but Kelvin Benjamin, I just saw such a target vacuum there. Uh, that was the season where they had receivers that, that their top receiver besides Benjamin was like Jeremy. Sorry, Jericho Cotchery. Uh, tough one to get out there. Um, also, like guys like uh, uh, Torin Poole and like Brent Burson. There was just nobody really there other than Olsen in that receiving game. So being able to get him really cheaply in that draft, sometimes even into the early second round, uh, uh, you know, and getting nine touchdowns out of that pick, I think 145 targets, something like that. That was a really cheap way to get you know a wide receiver too with uh, with a nice touchdown upside there, and, and then to be able to take that and knowing knowing that my evaluation of him was not uh, not as a an elite player but uh, once they made moves to kind of add more weapons his second season it was really nice to be able to flip and turn a nice profit on him as well yeah you guys mentioned a couple of really good names there with cooks and benjamin it seemed like the dynasty community was all over the map when it came to those two names the guy for me that i associate with that class is another receiver it's alan robinson and he was relatively highly thought of in the community and throughout dynasty drafts everywhere but i Going into that draft, I was thinking, and, and if we flash back a little bit, we'll, we'll remember that Sammy Watkins would at the, was at the top of that class, Mike Evans, of course. I actually had Robinson as my number one player, and, and in the one league where I was holding one of the top picks, uh, I was able to trade down and still get my number one guy. So, uh, you know, everybody was on Sammy and everybody was on Mike Evans. I actually had Allen Robinson at the top. Of course, I'm a Big Ten fan, so that's where I saw him at Penn State a lot. And uh, I seen that guy that could go up and get it and had that killer instinct to to catch everything thrown his way. We've seen that in the pros. The injury this past year was disappointing, but uh, for sure, when I think back to 2014, that's the A Rob class. For me. So let's take a look at some of the ADP from that summer. Ryan, you're our ADP guru. Uh, check those top six picks off on the list. Let us know who, who were the top picks back in, the, back in 2014. All right, some pretty big names here that we have already talked about. Um, Sammy Watkins was nearly the consensus 1.01 pick, even in that stack class with, with so many options. He topped. Uh, the majority of rookie drafts. So he's our top player off the board. Next was Mike Evans. Uh, And then we get to Bishop Sankey was the third pick, the Tennessee running back. And I don't know, we could, we could probably go on and on about that one, Dan. I don't know if we want to, if we want to rekindle some of those memories, but uh, that's one, three, three, four is Brandon Cooks, five, Carlos Hyde, and then six, Jordan Matthews. 
Yeah, interesting names for sure, and and I, I'm pretty confident that we're, nobody in this group will take Sankey in our 12 pick mock for sure, and I, we probably don't have to waste too much breath on that. Uh, looking back now, Jordan Matthews is the name that kind of sticks out to me, Ryan. Um, there were there was a lot of high hope, of course, back then. Chip Kelly was in town in Philadelphia, and people were thinking that high octane offense, lots of throws. Somebody's got to catch those passes. It's got to be Matthews, right? Well, he he played that role to some extent for a couple of years, but since then has fallen off the dynasty radar quite a bit. Ryan, what are your thoughts on Matthews now, and and what you thought of him back when he was a rookie? I had some doubts about him as a rookie, especially I guess compared to the rest of that class, um, he just didn't seem to have the upside that uh, I, I felt like some of those other guys, Cooks and, and obviously Evans and Watkins had. So he was he was not a player uh, that I ended up with in too many leagues. Uh, I remember a lot of people pointing to his market share. That's that's about the time that some of those types of, of numbers and, and data were really becoming a tool that people looked at. And uh, of course, playing for Vanderbilt. I'm a Kentucky fan. Kentucky and Vanderbilt kind of uh, partners at the bottom of the SEC. And if you're a talented player that plays for a school like that, you should dominate the touches, the carries, the uh, targets, whatever stat you want to look at. So that's what sticks with me when I think about Jordan Matthews coming out that uh, that year. And looking back at it now, I mean, he's he's a player that's basically regressed every year. And uh, I, I do like him as a buy low, and I only say that because I think you can probably get him for as cheap as a third-round rookie pick at this point. So based on what we've seen, sure, I'll take a shot. He's a free agent like so many of these other uh, players in this class, and, and, and maybe he lands in a nice spot, but uh, not, not a player I'm expecting to be a wide receiver to ever again. Yeah, I agree with you wholeheartedly that that he's a buy just because the price tag is so low and that upside at least some of it still exists Matt what are what are your thoughts on Matthews as we head into this offseason a guy that was comp to Eric Decker a lot you know uh, kind of that big slot player but I think he's also a player that the metrics community really tried to push into kind of an outside role just because of those athletic measurables and something that I didn't really ever see in his game so he's never a player that I've been on but I, I totally agree with you guys now that he's his value is pushed so far down even if he ends up going back to Buffalo you know I feel like he's 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 definitely more valuable than than the going rate right now so I think it's going to be dependent on him coming back from the these nagging injuries that he suffered towards the end of the year uh but I don't see any reason why he couldn't kind of play that like you know a decent wide receiver three a slot kind of big slot role for a team and you know be be kind of that low-end starter even even if it's just like a bye week or injury flex kind of play for you um, so I think he's worth that that valuation there. Yeah, I don't I don't think anybody would be surprised if he returned to the 55 catch and 700 yards and six to eight touchdowns. And that's a useful fantasy player for sure and a guy that's worthy of having a dynasty roster spot. Uh, but at the same time, it, he's the same kind of guy that could, could just continue to taper down. Um, I'm willing to take the chance for sure. Ryan, who are the, the next six that came in ADP in 2014? So the players finishing out the first round from 7 through 12, Eric Ebron, uh, the tight end. Odell Beckham, there we go, the eighth player off the board. And, of course, this data includes rookie drafts that took place from uh, really that entire offseason. So I know if you were in one of those later drafts, uh, he was probably uh, really a steal as he was dealing with that uh, that injury to start his career. But overall, he comes out as the eighth player, Kelvin Benjamin, nine. Devontae Freeman was the tenth pick. 
and then finishes out with a pair of wide receivers, Marquise Lee and Devontae Adams. Yeah, some interesting names on there for sure. I think if one guy sticks out to me, and we'll we'll get to a lot of these guys, of course, as we go along, it's, it's Eric Ebron. He was supposed to be out of North Carolina and, and that guy that can stretch the field and go into that offense in Detroit with with the big passing game and Stafford's big arm. He was supposed to be the guy that stretched the middle of the field. Of course, Megatron was there at the time. So he was going to be that one-two punch, uh, that guy in the middle that could help him out. And, and of course, Kelvin Johnson would help Ebron out as well. It just hasn't materialized Matt, uh, what are your thoughts of Ebron as he heads into a free agent year? Um, does he have a second wind in his career for us dynasty owners? Is he a guy that you could see finding a new spot out there somewhere and and really taking the next step or, or returning some of that lack of return on investment that all of us had when we drafted him back in 2014? Yeah, he's a... He, he started to have a couple of nice games towards the end of the season. So I think there's some hope there, but he's never really been one of my quote unquote, my guys, you know, I've always felt he's kind of soft for the tight end position and, and maybe just what's holding him back is his lack of confidence. Cause all the athletic measurables are there, you know, he's big, he's fast. Uh, he should be a decent red zone threat for a team that, you know, the last several years that hasn't really had a red zone threat, but we saw that, you know, guys like uh, uh, Michael Roberts there caught some nice touchdowns early on in the season. Uh, and uh, uh, David, uh, Derek, Derek or David fails. One of those guys, whichever one of those brothers were Derek or De- De- Derek fails, I think. Right. Uh, one of those guys, Darren fells. He was there. He caught a few t- t- touchdowns early too. So, you know, it just seemed like for a guy that had such potential and was drafted, I think in the top 10, right in this class. So like, it, he just never really kind of fulfilled that potential. I don't know if he's going to fit in with Detroit. It, it seems like he should be able to have a role just based on, on what he can do athletically. But I think it's just all in his head at this point. And also of course, the ability to stay healthy because that's been a problem with him throughout his whole career. Yeah. Health is a big question. Mark for sure and and we don't know where he's going to land and wh- where he's who he's going to be playing with the the fact that he couldn't catch touchdowns and some of those names that you mentioned Matt were catching touchdowns in Detroit with that offense and that quarterback makes me skeptical that he'll it'll ever click with that guy Ryan what about Marquise Lee he's a guy that a lot of people were up on some people were real down on when he was coming out uh what are your thoughts on him in Jacksonville or, or anywhere else for that matter? Does he still have the upside to, to be that wide receiver three for a dynasty owner? I think he probably does. And even in what looked like kind of a breakout season this year before he, before he dealt with some injuries, and, and that's been his downfall in his four-year career, I still feel like he's being undervalued, though. He's, he's way down. If you're looking at current dynasty ADP, he's way down the list. You can easily buy him for a late second round or maybe even cheaper. So, yeah, he's, I think he's a guy worth exploring as well. You know, and the reason I frame the question like that is because I, re- I have a hard time believing that guy will ever be more than a wide receiver three. But I still feel like, he, not that he's going to put weekly wide receiver three numbers up, but at the end of the year, he's going he's gonna to put up numbers that make you think, well, on a per-game basis, he was still a wide receiver three. He gets banged around. He gets knocked around a little bit and misses some time. So I, I don't know if he's ever going to be more than that for any of us, but... Man, he, he can put up numbers when, when he is available. Ryan, let's go through round two quickly. Who went in round two of the 2014 rookie draft? Um, obviously, a collection of hits and misses here. Um, I, I was thinking, Dan, as you were talking earlier, we saw uh, 
Bishop Sankey go really early in this draft, third overall. We saw Eric Ebron, a tight end, going in the middle of the first, which is uncharacteristic. And I remember back in this offseason of 2014, some of, some of the narrative, I guess, was the wide receiver position was so deep, you could get wide receivers, quality wide receivers, in the second round, maybe even in the third round, and as it plays out, that that was the case. And because of that, people were more apt to chase maybe other positions, and we even see some quarterbacks going going pretty high here. We'll talk about those here in just a second. But I think that depth of the receiver class kind of pushed other some of these other players up, and that kind of stands out as, as a mistake that we made. But uh, looking at this second round, it starts off with Trey Mason, who looked like the starter uh, for the Rams, uh, and then Terrence West, Jeremy Hill, so three running backs to start the second round. Johnny Manziel, quarterback who was obviously just one of the biggest busts we've seen from that class. He was 16th overall. And then back to the wide receivers, Cody Latimer, Allen Robinson, your guy, Dan, and then Dante Moncrief. Teddy Bridgewater was 20th overall, Austin Safarian Jenkins, Kadeem Carey, Andre Williams, and Jace Amaro finished off the second round. Wow, that we we're all over the map there, like you were saying there, Ryan. Trey Mason is a guy that got me. I, I was a fan coming out, and I, I really thought he was a he was a steal where he was going, considering a couple of the names that we mentioned early on. You know, you mentioned Sankey, who I wasn't a big fan of, and Hyde, who I liked a little bit. I thought Mason was the same kind of player, uh, or maybe even better than some of those guys, even Freeman, and it just didn't work out for Mason. I'm sure lots of dynasty owners everywhere got burned on that one. You mentioned a couple other names. A-Rob was probably one of the... I know we can say what we want about OBJ, because uh, going in the middle to even late first round in a lot of drafts, even snuck into the second round of some late drafts, like you were talking about earlier, Ryan, uh, that's a steal, but there were times when Robinson was falling all the way to the end of the second and early in the third round sometimes. And that's just a ridiculous bargain that, that all of us that cashed in on that uh, are, are happy to have, of course. Any names in the third round, Ryan, that really jump off the page to you? Yeah, absolutely. And in, in a draft class, this loaded, we'll see some, we see some bargains all the way down. Uh, some players in the third round, Martavis Bryant, Isaiah Crowell, Jarvis Landry, Paul Richardson, Jarek McKinnon, John Brown, Derek Carr, uh, and even Blake Bortles, who has given, uh, given his fantasy owners, uh, what, I guess three quarterback one seasons uh, over the past three years. I think, I think that's where he ended up this year. So certainly worth a third-round pick at, the, in, at that range. But, yeah, even the third round, you, you see a ton of fantasy starters from that group. Matt, you're a guy that, that like me and, and Ryan, of course, uh, prides yourself on taking that third-round flyer and trying to find that guy that comes out of nowhere. My guy was John Brown that year. I really thought he was the the guy to add, that speedy guy that had the upside, and we've seen flashes of that with the Cardinals, although he's never been able to hold on to that upside. Who was your guy that year late in drafts? Definitely John Brown uh, in, in a lot of drafts. You know, he had that kind of, especially for the later rookie drafts, because I remember that offseason where it was like, that, like that we talk about, that constant drumbeat. And for him, like every single practice, every single preseason games, he was just killing it. So especially in those later rookie drafts, I got a lot of him. Uh, but my guy there, and, and still my guy, I guess, is Jarvis Landry. You know, I just saw that, you know, Odell Beckham was, was the big star, but I just thought Jarvis Landry could be just a PPR monster. And that's that's worked out pretty well. 
so yeah, I was all over him in that mid third round. Yeah, Landry is a guy that I completely missed on. I th- I thought he'd be a nice slot guy, nice slot receiver that could make some catches for a guy, uh, but never the red zone threat. Um, certainly didn't think he he would be a hundred catch type of receiver. Um, man, did I swing and miss on that one. And with that note, let's move right to our rookie draft redo um, mock draft. Remember, it's a PPR format, and we also chose to make it a super flex, although our ADP doesn't necessarily reflect that. Uh, we're going we're gonna to make it super flex just to make it a little more interesting for our listeners. We'll touch on a whole bunch of players here, and because this draft is so deep, we'll, we'll t- take some time to look at who got uh, overlooked, maybe, and would have gone in the second round in this rookie draft redo. We drew for who would have the number one pick. Actually, we didn't. My seven-year-old son did. And after Ryan went all DeAndre Hopkins on us last week because he had the number one pick, his name was drawn once again. So he'll be on the clock first, followed by Matt and then myself. Same order as last week. So Ryan, I'm sure it's a tough decision for you. Who is the number one player four years later out of the 2014 rookie class? Well, I mentioned last week when I chose DeAndre Hopkins that I I said I thought he was also in the running, not only for the top player off the board in the 2013 class, but really overall in dynasty drafts uh, that that might be taking place this offseason. And the player I think he is uh, competing for that spot with is Odell Beckham, and that's who I will take at the 1.01 spot. Pretty easy pick. Yeah, it's an easy pick, and and Beckham's, you know, he's so dynamic, and and all the good things that you can say about him. The injury was just horrible, Ryan. You know, an injury like that can drag down dynasty value for a lot of guys, but we're not seeing that with him. Obviously, everybody still sees that unbelievable upside and and thinks he's going to come back as good or better than ever when he comes back, right? Yeah, totally. I've, I've been kind of surprised, honestly, right after his injury, and I can't remember exactly which month it was, but uh, according to our ADP, Mike Evans actually jumped up and tied Beckham for the top spot in our DLF ADP. But other than that, Beckham has held on to that top spot despite some some great seasons from some of these running backs uh, that, that we saw this year. It's It's still Odell Beckham at the top. Man, I can't blame anybody for that. Matt, you're on the clock with the second pick. Who's number two? This is also pretty easy. Uh, I've been, uh, I guess you can call him Mike Evans truther. I took him at uh, a 101 and a mock, uh, I think two months ago for DLF. So uh, he's still near the top for me. I, I would certainly at this point still take Beckham over him in most cases and, and probably Nuke as well. Uh, but, uh, you know, he, there's just nobody in the NFL like him at the wide receiver position. Six foot five, you know, 240. He's basically, he's basically Jimmy Graham at the wide receiver position, you know, instead of a, of a tight end. So I think the touch down potential is just through the roof every every season and this year you know it, it was it was definitely a down year uh, uh he never really had any of those signature you know 150 175 yard games with two two touchdowns or whatever um but i think the potential is there uh the, the offense as a whole was disappointing so i can't really put too much of that on him i don't think he really ever necessarily killed you any weeks uh, uh but uh, i think he's still easily the, t- the second option in this class yeah i don't, I don't know if it's quite as easy as it was before the season kicked off because of that down season, but but it's it's definitely uh, as close to a slam dunk as you can get, right, Ryan? Yeah, I'm still I'm still on board with Evans as well. Um, 
He actually fell a little bit in this month's ADP, which will be released soon, uh, looking more like a mid-first rounder. I think he's a value at that point. Yeah, and with that, I am on the clock at three, and I have the fourth pick as well. I think it would be a difficult decision for me if I didn't have both picks. I'm going to take Brandon Cooks with the third pick, uh, even though, it like just like Evans, a little bit of a down year, not quite as, as much production. Uh, but we did see those elite games, those big blasts that we saw in the past with uh, when he was with the Saints, now with Tom Brady, he did the same. He he did have those duds, though, Matt, which is a little bit of a head-scratcher and certainly makes you think, boy, you know, I don't know if he has that wide receiver one elite upside. Uh, he still has high-end wide receiver two upside or low-end low end wide receiver one upside and plays at a wide receiver two level most of the time. So I'll go with Brandon Cooks there. The other guy, and, and and the next guy, is incredibly difficult for me to choose. Uh, it really comes between the guy I talked about earlier and the guy I'm going to take. I think I'm going to go with Devontae Adams here. Uh, I like that contract that he signed, and being attached to Aaron Rodgers is a really good thing for, for wide receivers. Dynasty owners everywhere want the wide receiver one in Green Bay. I believe that guy is Devontae Adams going forward. So if this was a true team building exercise and I had to choose if I want Allen Robinson who has the question marks surrounding him where will he play how's the knee coming back together um and then Devontae Adams who's coming off another double digit touchdown season and did it with a back end quarterback or back end backup quarterback in the NFL for most of the season I think I lean now towards Devontae Adams um I guess Matt I'll gather your thoughts on that before gathering the fifth pick in this draft. Yeah, I had, I had to keep it together there because I really thought you were going to take Robinson and I wanted you to take Robinson because I was hoping Adams would come back to me. Uh, I have Adams over over Robinson pretty solidly. Uh, so not, not so excited to see that pick. But I'm okay with it because it allows me to go ahead and pick up Jarvis Landry, the guy we just talked about. Uh, that gives me, I pair him with Keenan Allen. It gives me a couple of hundred reception guys every single season and the touchdown of Mike Evans there. So I, I'm pretty happy with that wide receiver core. Um, Jarvis Landry is the pick for me here, but uh, I can certainly see a, a case for picking Robinson here. Ryan, you're on the clock for two at six and seven. First, though, were those the three that you expected to go at three, four, and five? We, we kind of talked about last week a, a top tier of six, and um, that's how I had it again this week. Uh, of course, Beckham was firmly that number one option, but after that, two through six, all pretty close for me. I actually had Landry sixth on my board, uh, but I think it's I think it's splitting hairs, honestly. I, I do love, though, that we're talking about Evans and Cooks kind of struggling this year. People are a little down on them. Cooks was the wide receiver 15. Evans was the wide receiver 17. Uh, they both missed a little bit of time. I, I know Evans did. I, I, mean, I think Cooks did as well. So if that's disappointing, that's that kind of says a lot about those two players. Um, I'm, I'm excited to have those two guys on my team, and, and maybe they're – Maybe they're trade targets if other people are frustrated or disappointed with them. My two picks, one of my picks is easy. I'm going to go ahead and take Allen Robinson with the fifth pick. I talked about that top tier of six is, <clears throat> is how I see it. He was the, uh, the other player in that group. So I'm taking him with the sixth pick. The seventh pick is a little bit tougher for me. Um, last week I grabbed Chris Thompson and Rex Burkhead. Uh, it's funny to see names like that 
now mixed in with this this stacked group of 2014, but running back is maybe a little weak for me, so I'm going to go ahead and also take Devontae Freeman here with the seventh pick to upgrade my running back situation just a little. Ryan, did did because this is a team building exercise as well, and we're trying to trying to build a roster and a starting lineup. Um, if this was just just any old regular mock draft, would you still take Freeman here? No, probably not. I, there's there's a couple of other guys that probably would have jumped over him if we if we didn't have that team building aspect. So I see seven through twelve, and really, actually, I have probably thirteen guys on my list. So so the next six or seven I see is as very close. So uh, position, just as it does when we're building dynasty teams. Uh, position plays and influence there yeah and that's why we decided to do this really so at the end we have something to show what we what we've done over these five or six weeks uh matt you're on the clock at number eight did did ryan take your guy yeah you know what picking second in the middle is is the worst thing in these in this exercise <laughs> because you guys each get to take two players and i'm sitting here like hoping that i can get one through so oh i hate it uh yeah i was definitely looking to upgrade running backs there with freeman so that's annoying um, jeez. There's three guys here that I would like to take, and I'm afraid that neither of the the next two are going to come back to me. Uh, so I'm gonna go ahead and take Adam Thielen here. I think he's my next favorite guy. Uh, there's a guy that I, is probably more popular at, at this point, but uh, but I think that Thielen just just in terms of the production that he's gonna provide and, and that Minnesota offense just like looks like it's you know set to roll uh, no matter which quarterback they decide to really keep there. So uh, I think Thielen's a nice pick here and, and gives me a nice uh, uh, adds a nice fourth wide receiver for me. Yeah, if if Thielen would have gotten to me, I'd have been thrilled to take him at nine. I actually had him. A spot above Landry, so I, I'm, I'm a feeling believer uh, for sure. I, I would have been thrilled to get him all the way down here at nine. I'm, I'm having a little bit of trouble making my selections here. I got a couple of them in a row once again. Uh, I, because I've looked forward in these drafts and I, I know what kind of quarterback class we have, I'm going to step away. Don't do it. I'm going to, I'm going to step away from that position, uh, knowing, although I'd really like to take one here. Uh, so my picks are going to be Carlos Hyde, even though there's a whole bunch of question marks surrounding him because we don't know where he's going to be. I still think he has the upside to, to be a number true number one workhorse back in the NFL. And he, if he lands in the right spot, I could see him being a running back one for dynasty owners I could also see him kind of mired in the running back two conversation as he has been in the past and uh, I guess I wouldn't be shocked if he ended up splitting time somewhere so there's a lot of question marks surrounding him I still think he has the upside however uh, and then with my final pick the 10th pick in this exercise I'm gonna take a guy that I'm still not sold on uh, another free agent to be that has been so up and down and and I don't know if he's going to stay where he is now or find a new home. That guy is Sammy Watkins. So the number one pick from four years ago slips all the way to number 10. Matt, you're back on the clock. Were those the two guys you were thinking of? 
They were two guys I was definitely interested in, but I'm actually pretty excited to go ahead and take the first quarterback of this uh, this whole process and go ahead and take Jimmy Garoppolo here. Uh, I, I'm just really excited about what we saw out of him at the end of the season, the fact that he's going to get to grow with Kyle Shanahan. You know, Pierre Garçon is going to come back and be that reliable target underneath, and I'm sure they're going to add a lot more weapons for him uh, in, in the upcoming draft. So I'm pretty excited to get to Gar- Garoppolo here um, as our first quarterback in a super flex format. Yeah, I w- that was the guy I was struggling with. If I would have stuck straight to my board, I would have taken Garoppolo because I actually – had him at number 10 overall uh, over Sammy Watkins, but I uh, stepped away from it. I might regret it, Ryan. What do you think of Garoppolo going 11? I actually strongly considered taking him over Freeman. So uh, I love the pick at 11. Um, if, if we're starting a, a super flex league right now, I think he would be drafted over Sammy, over Hyde, uh, over Thielen, and maybe over Freeman as well. So I love the pick. I was hoping he made it one more spot. Um, I, I do have to admit, though, Dan, you and you and your super flex love here. As I was planning my draft board for this episode, I forgot we were even doing super flex. So I had Garoppolo 12th on my board, even with the mindset of a one quarterback league. So that's that's what I think of him. I love the pick at 11. And to finish us off, that format change, at least change in my mind, uh, also changes my pick. I had another guy in mind, but instead I'm going to take Derek Carr uh, with the 12th pick. Obviously had a rough year this year, had uh, a breakout, nearly an MVP season in uh, 2016. And I think the real Derek Carr is somewhere in the middle. Um, His career may end with 2016 being his best season overall, but uh, we we all know how tough it is to get starting quarterbacks in a super flex format. And uh, if this were the end of a first round of a rookie draft, I'd be glad to grab him there. Yeah, it's a nice pick. That Actually, this week, the 12 guys I had listed for, for my top 12 were the 12 that were picked. There was, there was a little bit of ups and downs as to where they got picked. I had Thielen a little bit higher. I actually had Garoppolo in one of my spots and passed on him. I, I might live to regret that one, Matt. Ryan, if you were... If this exercise was going to continue, who's the next guy off the board? I mentioned that I had another player in mind uh, before before I recalled the super flex aspect. It's Martavis Bryant. He's the most talented of the players left. We know his troubles mainly off the field, but we saw some troubles on the field this year as Juju Smith-Schuster bypassed him there on the on the depth chart in Pittsburgh. Uh, but to me, he just has, has more upside than anybody else left. Matt... Outside of Bryant, anybody else that really catches your eye on the list? Yeah, Martavis was definitely my next guy. Uh, a few other ones that I'm less excited about: Crowell, McKinnon, uh, Richardson was was you know probably going to go in the second round somewhere for me. Uh, and, and you know, of course, Marion Grice too. You know, he was an option there. <laughs> we mentioned a whole bunch of the other ones already. If this was going into the second round, of course, guys like Marquise Lee and uh, Eric Ebron still with his little bit of upside that he has remaining. I think Kelvin Benjamin is a name worth mentioning for sure. Jordan Matthews, John Brown, Dante Moncrief, James White would be in that conversation, especially in PPR. Austin Safarian Jenkins has slid uh, in dynasty eyes every but still a relevant name for sure. And one other name that I was really, if this had gone two rounds, I was really intrigued to see where he would go, and that's Trey Burton. Ryan, where do you think Trey Burton would go if we went into the second and third round of this thing? 
I'm not sure he would land inside that second round, honestly. Um, I, I do like what we saw from him this year when Zach Ertz was out. Uh, and again, like so many of these other guys that we've mentioned on this episode, he is entering free agency uh, this offseason. So some of these guys, I feel like Allen Robinson and, and Landry and, and just a few of these others are candidates to be franchise to get the franchise tag if they can't work out a contract so um, with those players there is uh, I'd say a better than 50-50 chance they just stay with their teams Burton Burton is not going to get that obviously so I think there's a really good chance uh, at least if that's what he wants that he is with a new team and hopefully with a chance to start um, and the the best thing for us as dynasty players is he's on waiver wire still in a lot of leagues. Yeah, and he should be on rosters if there's enough space uh, to carry multiple tight ends really in your leagues. Any any roster that I have that is over about 22 or 23 players, I, I scooped up Trey Burton and put him on my roster. It really feels like he could take the, the path of Delaney Walker and find his way to a new team where he's a featured tight end. I actually had him in the top 24 of my rankings, Ryan. So uh, that's why I asked about him. I, I think he's a little underappreciated. Maybe some dynasty owners don't really know that he's likely to be somewhere else and, and have an opportunity to be featured in an offense next year. So he's a guy out of this class that I'm monitoring closely for sure. Before we get out of here, Matt, what do you think the what was the best pick of the draft? And what what do you think what pick did you least agree with? I thought your Devontae Adams pick was nice because that would have been uh, mostly because of what it did to my my team, and I was really hoping he fell to me. So I really like that there. That's some nice value at the end of the end of the first uh, worst pick. Uh, there, that's really so hard because all the players in, that we selected are, are, are productive fantasy players. Um, but I guess I guess maybe Sammy Watkins. I'm falling a little bit out of love with. You know, he had a he had a chance to really uh, make a big pe- catch in the playoff game uh, uh, this past weekend, and it just didn't happen for him. So uh, if he stays with the Rams, I don't really know what he brings to to a fantasy roster. Ryan, which pick did you like best, and which did you not agree with the most? Uh, pretty easy calls for me this week. My favorite pick was definitely Garoppolo. Like I said, I considered him. Uh, at seventh overall, and then Matt grabbed him at 11 right before I could. Uh, and Carlos Hyde uh, at nine um, would would easily in this format prefer one of the quarterbacks. I would also take I'd take Martavis over him. Uh, I just think there's too many questions. Yeah, there's a lot of question marks for sure. Uh, making me feel good about my pick there, Ryan. Thanks for <laughs> Sorry, that. Buddy. As far as me, I'm going to go with two Matt picks. I thought the Jarvis Landry one, I had a couple guys ahead of him. As I mentioned, Adam Thielen was ahead of him. For sure, Allen Robinson I'd take over Landry. But then Thielen was my favorite pick. Uh, that That's nice value down there at eight. I still think he gets... Uh, overlooked a little bit because he was an undrafted guy. He wasn't even in this ADP, if I remember right, Ryan. We had to go dig up his name from from guys that were eligible in the 2014 NFL draft. Uh, if anybody drafted him back in 2014 in a rookie draft other than his mom and brother, uh, good for you because you knew way better than any of us here at DLF for sure. I never heard of anybody talking about Adam Thielen back in 2014. So that does it for this episode of the DLF Dynasty podcast for my good buddy Ryan and my pretty good friend 
Matt. I'm Dan Myler. You can follow the podcast at DLF Podcast. You can follow Ryan at RyanMC23. Follow Matt. He's a good follow at MPricer. And you can follow me at DMyler22. Thanks for listening to the DLF Dynasty Podcast. We'll catch you next week with a recap of the 2015 rookie class.